0: You want to avoid pretty much anything that ends with an own, Oxybenzone, avobenzone, anything like that is a chemical that is potentially going to soak into a coral and harm. The coral reefs that are are built and are impacted by these different types of sunscreens are providing habitat for, you know, more than half of our ocean's life.
1: We're back with another episode of Boating Insider. Today, we're here with a group of people that uh, are dedicated to um, make a difference of the quality of our waterways. Um, so I'm gonna go around, and introduce uh, you guys and then feel free to to jump on. Um, we'll start with you.
2: All right, my name is Katie Sheehan. I'm the citizen science manager for the International Seakeepers Society.
1: Oh yes, and we're here with the International Seakeeper Society, my <laughs> mistake. You <laughs> say rookie error.
3: Okay. Uh, my name is Tony Gilbert. I am the Chief Programs Officer at the International Seakeeper Society. And,
0: and my name is Tony Loroff, and I'm the Education Manager for the International Seakeeper Society. All right,
1: so we got all the people that know how to make things happen at this group. <laughs> um, hey, we wanted to have you in. It looks like uh, we took a look at your organization, and it looks like you're actually doing something to help the environment. Uh, no signs no political polarization. We talked a little bit about that and giving people an opportunity to actually make a difference.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, and that that's why we called it, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, we're bombarded constantly. Climate change, this is the way it is. Too bad, take it or leave it. We're, no end in sight, no solutions to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is the climate a problem? Is, you, reasonable people could debate about it if we're just going through natural cycles or if there's human uh, interference. And certainly there's probably a, a mix of, of both. Um, but I think something that's constantly overlooked and it's, and, it, and it's the worst thing that I think can happen to is the pollution of our waterways. And um, as we talked about, it's a little, little bit of a bug for us that you get uh, all these world leaders at all these uh, climate conferences uh, professing to love the world and um all they talk about is carbon, like this mm-hmm. gas we can't see um, while most of them are shipping their garbage to uh, the Philippines mm. uh, and paying them, and then it gets dumped. And then we have tons of stuff in the water and that's just the tip of the iceberg. You see uh, tremendous pollution going into the waters, especially uh, you know on the Asian side of things, uh, as well as even you know from North America. Uh, certainly, we've been cleaner over the years, uh, but as manufacturing comes back, as we're seeing, we want to avoid that. But we are doing some, I believe, some serious damage, yeah. at least to the local waterways, you know, the coastal. And uh, you guys have been doing something about it, and I appreciate that. And uh, we want to get the word out to as many yeah. people as we can. So who wants to go first, <clears throat> explaining your uh, your group?
3: Well, I guess I could give kind of a general introduction uh, about Seakeepers. Um, so this is an organization that's actually we're in our 25th year. So 25th anniversary, mm-hmm. kind of a milestone for us. But and it's existed in, in different ways throughout the years. But um, the two main ways is how we are now and what we were in the beginning. And so in the beginning, and this was before my time, but um, we really were kind of super yacht centric um it came from that world uh i believe it was the monaco boat show or monaco yacht show where where uh there were some yacht owners sitting around and they you know actually had concerns about um ocean acidification and you know coral reefs dying things like that so uh the idea at the time was to outfit their boats with a through hole device called the SeaKeeper 1000 um now i yeah. just want to interrupt you here because
1: people are going to get confused you are not the seakeeper keeper no. gyroscope.
3: <laughs> no. And right. I, you know it's funny you bring that up and which which let product. let's nip that in the bud. Yeah. Here, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. uh, we are not affiliated with them in any way. Okay. It's a coincidence. <laughs> we are the International seakeepers Keepers with an S at the end, okay. uh, uh, society, <laughs> okay. whereas they are Seakeeper. Keeper and they do something they are just a company that makes a stabilizer. That's it. So it. No affiliation, but Sorry um, to interrupt, but no, 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 I just no, thought it was means. important. And important and and you know you Again, this device was called the SeaKeeper 1000 and it's installed in your boat. So again, I, I'm sure back then it was it was just as confusing. Mm-hmm. But um, and what this did was it, it took uh, oceanographic measurements of things you want to know, like uh, surface temperature, uh, pH levels, uh, dissolved oxygen. You know, put all this together and with a few other uh, components, and you have kind of like a picture of the health of the ocean or the water wherever you're measuring it. Um, and that's how it started. And it was a very passive way of collecting data, and beaming it back to some server. And then you were hoping that the scientists were using it and everything. Um, but you know, as technology evolves, and and this this device kind of became obsolete, you know, Um, there's there's other ways of doing that. Um, But but it it was hard to maintain. So for reasons. um, And we even actually uh, were inspired by Sylvia Earle, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Sylvia Earle. But um, but uh, she, uh, I think, had the idea of of telling our chairman back then, you know, scientists would love to get out on, on the water themselves rather than just passively receiving um, uh, the data and that's where the discovery Yacht program was born and that is now sort of our, our primary program um, at sea keepers and you know it's a little bit of a misnomer because um, the discovery yacht program the, the word yacht is a little limiting whereas mm-hmm. We welcome any boat of any size and shape, um, as long as it's well suited for the work that that's needed.
0: Gift to super yachts.
3: Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So um, anyway, in the Discovery Out program, it, what we do is we uh, try to accomplish our mission by uh, linking the yachting and boating community with the scientific and academic community. So uh, again, if you are a scientist and you and your team need to get out on the water to whether it's tagging sharks or turtles um, or taking samples from coral reefs to study their genetics and, you know, why are some more resilient to rising water temperatures than others? The list goes on of, of, of the, the, the different needs and, and, and reasons why a scientist and their team need to get out on, in, in, in the ocean. Um, we just try to make that happen by linking them with boaters and yacht owners who are willing to take them out.
1: So you're like creating like a, a Navy for marine biology. Well,
3: we call it the Discovery <laughs> Yacht Fleet, okay, uh, or Discovery vessel. I, I, I've been taking to calling the Discovery vessels more because, like okay. I said, you know, yacht is a is a limiting term. Um sure. And and yeah, and it's just you know the way it works is and and there's different ways, and we'll describe citizen science in a second. But um, when it's a what we call a scientist-led expedition, where the scientists and their team are actually on board the boat, um, basically, I'll get a proposal uh, from the scientist saying, okay, it's going to be four of us and we need to be in this location at this time of year um to do x y and z i'll take all that and i'll go through my virtual rolodex of boats and yachts that i know Mm -hmm. um and uh whoever is available and willing to again take them out for as free as possible sometimes they might need some help with like okay well can they cover cover the cost of fuel um but but uh so in that sense like like you know and you've mentioned there's some organizations that just say hey you know donate and we'll make sure that the mission gets accomplished um in this case we're not saying donate cash we're saying just donate time uh aboard a a boat that you probably aren't using that day anyway or you know if you are you get to be a part of this really cool uh scientific endeavor so So they
1: so just Person who's got the boat has got an opportunity to be involved in actually Absolutely. the scientific research and exactly. and what does it do? Yeah, and what is and what are the and just getting a chance to pick the brains of the scientists out there to mm-hmm. say, all right, what are you looking for? And, and then ultimately, what can you do? Right, because so many places are, let's prove something so we could blame somebody. Mm-hmm and uh do nothing about it or just collect money from yeah. her, you know in a cynical yeah. way and i'm being a bit cynical but that's just the way it is yeah i yeah. know um, but so you guys go out and you do this and what are you finding like what are you finding out there what is your baseline you know if you just pop in and go hey we noticed this oh this could be bad we, we didn't know what it was yesterday or
3: mm-hmm. 200 mm-hmm.
1: years ago what are you what are you collecting? What are you finding? And what's alarming you?
3: Well, um, <laughs> luckily, a lot of it is not negative. It's, you know, like you say, there, there should be solutions, not just sure. this is a problem. And, and but those solutions have to be backed by science. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're trying to make happen, trying to facilitate is, OK, well, and if those solutions are regulatory, okay, well, we just need numbers to back up those either mm. existing regulations are good, they're not enough, maybe they should be changed. I mean, just this, uh, the, the early part of the year for three months, we were in the in the lower keys, um, researching permit aggregations. Now, a lot of people think permit, isn't that a piece of paper? No, there's a, a fish. fish. Yeah, it's a it's <laughs> very popular sport fish, which if you're not in the, in the fishing world, you might not know. But uh, there are very important uh, fish for the economy of of any kind of fishing um, location like the Florida Keys. Um, So we were tasked or actually scientists from FIU were tasked with researching their aggregations and what their numbers are like um, based on certain closures that are already in place. So from one part of the year to another, you can't you can fish them, but you can't take them Um, when those closures aren't in effect. Then, you know, it's different. But it's all in in, in the um, the goal there is to keep populations healthy, not too many, not too little, um, and you know sometimes you just got to keep studying that to know. Okay, well, two years ago we put these uh, regulations, regulations in place. Are they working? Do mm. we need to do more? Should we maybe change it to this location? Cause we see that they've moved to this area, things like that. And you will, not you won't know until you go out there and really. So now are yourself. you feeding
1: this information to the states or to, Yeah. Um, and then they're making adjustments accordingly. exactly
3: and and we aren't ourselves uh we don't get too involved in the actual uh policy you're just Uh, data collection
1: yeah which is good so you want to get like a baseline that's so it's a good way to approach it like hey here's what we're finding mm -hmm. and go from there and
0: often these labs are sponsored or granted by regulatory agencies so they're kind of in direct communication with the agency to say like what's happening out there we want to know how our regulations are working if they need to be changed um so especially here in south florida a lot of the research that our partners do is a lot of monitoring Mm -hmm. um so going out regularly collecting data and seeing have there been a lot of changes is this falling through with what we think should be happening based on historical data and things like that Um, and then kind of making changes as necessary. So ideally with that, the more people we get out on the water doing these monitoring, the easier it is to catch things before they happen, like Mm -hmm. coral bleaching events or like big, you know, mass fish kills or things like that from nutrient pollution. Um, So the idea, the more that we get people out there, the more that we can kind of have all those eyes on the water to really get a better picture of what's happening.
3: Yeah, and I I mentioned tagging (laughs) as another sort of common thing that uh, a lot of marine biologists go out and do. Mm -hmm. And while it's cool to, you know, Oh, cool. We we're catching sharks and then, you know, handling them and whatever. Yeah, that's fun and all. But but why? Why are you doing that? And a lot of people ask that question. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things you can learn from having a shark up a, you know, close to the boat, and you can take tissue samples and, and blood samples and learn a lot about their biology that way. But when you tag them and you're seeing where they're going, you're seeing okay. Well, they don't know that there's this imaginary boundary around these Bahamian waters where it's a shark sanctuary and they can't be, you know, fished in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But they're going to keep going where they go, which right. is mm, you know, thousands know of miles there. away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, sure. they, they don't know. Like, oh, I'm safe here, right. so I'm. No, they go wherever, and we wouldn't know that if it weren't for these tags and um one thing that was really interesting was um a similar trip where we were actually tagging um pregnant tiger sharks and seeing where they're giving birth and it turns out if i remember correctly it's these were found in the waters of the bahamas they were giving birth near north carolina so when you now think about okay marine protected areas and and how to not overfish or illegally you know or or bycatch and all those things those protections Again, they end at this imaginary line that they don't know that's there, and it turns out they're going, you know, into American waters now, where maybe they're not as protected. And if they're giving birth, their young aren't protected. And these are long-lived animals; they're like us. You know, they they you know grow up for I don't know, you know, a law a long long time before they finally give birth, and. It's not like you know smaller animals that they'll give birth to like i don't know 50 offspring uh, you know within three years no these are long-lived animals so it takes that much longer for them to you know get pregnant again and and so so the more you
1: have out there so you're taking a tiny measure right yeah so the more you have out there the more people you can get out there the, the the clearer the picture right exactly and um so going back to like florida and the uh people in in florida when this information is passed up to the regulators do you find them to be um real do they respond to your data do they make the changes do they change seasons do they change limits do they or what do you find because again i think we all have pictures of politicians that they all have mental problems and they're just yelling and saying the same thing in a different view but when the cameras aren't there are they responding to this stuff are they are they doing the right thing or
0: i think it's kind of mixed i think kind of like uh, tony mentioned earlier we at seakeepers don't kind of have a direct hand in interacting mm-hmm. with legislators um, but we work we partner with researchers who have connections there but also other nonprofit organizations um, that do do more of that lobbying that connecting with the actual legislators to make changes to our laws mm-hmm. to ensure that think pollution, and things like that um, are not becoming as big of a problem, especially around our waterways, like in Miami and Biscayne Bay, particularly. Um, But I think it's a mixed bag. I think depending on who the politician is, what their personal interests are, if they're a boat owner, maybe they might take more interest. Um, we have seen a lot of success with things like fertilizer ordinances in Miami, which are really helping prevent pollution in the bay and coastal water areas. Um, so, just kind of depending on what it is, we've struggled with things like plastic bag bans and straw bans and things like that. So, it just kind of depends mm-hmm. um, on you know who the voters are and what they're thinking, and who the politicians are and who they're.
3: So, when you get the from. fertilizer,
1: because it's a big issue, Lake Okeechobee, <clears throat> big, yep. you know, sort of a mess. Um, they start pumping that stuff out to the Baltic Gulf and the Atlantic, uh, creates tremendous um, algae blooms. The whole bit—it's just right there for you to see. Um, you know, a lot of people know about it, but what do you do? What do you do? What do you do to fix it? So you got people living. Obviously, you need fertilizer to you know eat and the whole bit. Um, what do you do to stop that?
4: Imagine if you had full control of your boat, you felt safer, eliminated the unknown and you were able to forecast and plan for your boat's upcoming maintenance instead of being caught off guard. Can you imagine knowing exactly what is installed on your boat down to the part and serial number on all of your standard and custom equipment at a moment's notice? Having instant access to your manuals while at dock or at sea? And provide custom departure checklists specifically for your boat and your crew. Imagine ensuring the safety of your vessels and passengers with instant access to send emergency alerts. And being able to ensure the value and the pedigree of your boat with digital logs recording the full history of every event on your boat while well, you can with Vessel Vanguard. We are the leading maintenance and safety management software in the marine industry. We work with a wide range of marine industry experts, including yacht owners, captains, ferry, and tugboat operators. If you're looking to safeguard your assets and preserve your revenue, visit vesselvanguard.com and schedule a demonstration for yourself. The link can be found in the show notes below. We look forward to supporting you and your vessel soon.
0: It's really awareness. I think with the fertilizer ordinance, what we tell people um, is the reason the fertilizer ordinance are in place, especially they really are only in place in the summer during our rainy season. Um, And as we've mentioned before, it has been a particularly rainy season Mm -hmm. already this summer. Um, So, what happens is you put fertilizer on your lawn or on your farm, um, and it rains later that day. The fertilizer doesn't even have enough time to soak into the ground to fertilize your plants. Um, So, especially when you're directly on a waterway, which in Miami, in those areas, almost everybody is directly on the waterway or a canal or something like that. I think most of the state is. Exactly. So, that fertilizer is draining directly Mm -hmm. into our storm drains, which are unfiltered going directly into the bay. And that's pumping all those nutrients in. It's causing those algal blooms, causing those fish kills and especially when we don't have a lot of water flow in these contained areas and harbors and bays it gets worse um and that can obviously also uh, uh impact the experience that boaters are having um you know for their own no, personal go enjoyment out, but you, also you, exactly right, you
1: take a boat out you see nothing but dead fish
0: yeah, yeah. it's know? not pleasant for anybody and
1: you can't and you know when the uh, you know the red tide which some of it is natural mm-hmm. but it it gets out of control yeah, and it's alarming doing the, the, the dumping you literally have a hard time breathing people get Pretty sick from it, absolutely. And that's where I ultimately go. It's like, okay, this will kill us really fast. Imagine this turns into a total toxic cloud and just blows across the land. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you, know, you could kill millions of people. Nobody's talking about that. Exactly. So you guys are out there doing all the, this studying, and you know, and when it relates to the, because I think that's a big polluter from us, the, um,
0: the nutrient, you know, the, the, runs, the
1: nutrient runoff. All right, you've been at this. You, What can you tell business, what what can you put in place to mitigate that behavior? Or what can you use as an alternative that really works? So in other words, can you put, you know, trap basins in for this stuff that just grab most of this before it goes out? Can you run it through some marshes? What is the the natural way or what technology do you think that could solve it? Because it's like, all right, there's a problem. Yeah. How do we fix it? Right. You know, and it and no matter what they do, if you go out and you start beating people up, it's people are going to resist. You're going right. no matter what it is, 50% is going to resist. How do we make this a, an effort? Like yeah. make believe we want to go to space and we we're, 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 we're battling the Russians to get to space, right? Yeah. How do we just make the environment clean? And you know, I even see it in some lakes. Uh, if you've got um certain grasses in the lakes and they're filtering out the lakes. It's much clearer. You know, it's a it's a natural thing that helps clear up. What's out there? What do you do you guys have magic wands for us?
2: <laughs> I think it's tricky too to try to kind of put a band aid on the problem. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these issues you have to address at the source. And, you know, something we try to do for this is plastic pollution as well. You know, there's so much in our oceans. Every river that leads to the ocean carries tons of plastic every single year. And the only thing we can do is stop producing plastic. You know, we go out and we do beach cleanups. So we'll have people collect potentially hundreds of pounds of trash from a beach in a single day. And there's nothing we can do but Put that back into the landfill sure. right we can't exactly do anything with it we partner with some people who turn plastic into art who do really creative things to kind of get that from preventing it to going into the landfills but mm-hmm. really the only way to address that is to kind of cut down on plastic pollution in general and that might come into play for for other types of pollution too like just finding technologies that address that at the source instead of trying to I'm
1: totally with you. But one of the things that I found, and look, you know, from a business standpoint, this is what always creates that exactly. battle. And yeah. I'm not I'm not attacking you for what you're no, I know you it's, said, it's a polarizing but I conversation. Wanna,
2: yeah. But it doesn't
1: have to be. So yeah. I would come back and say, all right, I'm there too. I don't want the oceans to be polluted, but how do you get rid of plastic? You know what I mean? Like you don't. Do use it in a o- yeah, you, got- you don't. So how do you divert it so i was in a uh, tires or another big one mm. you know mm. rubber tires mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. uh i was at yellowstone or somewhere wherever that geyser is yeah now you should know yep. this they'll be like what do you mean yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and on the walkways it was a mix of um you know recycled tires rubber mm. it's yeah. nice mm-hmm. to walk on the yeah, whole bit yeah. mm-hmm. um but where is the how do you get to the place, can you put filtering into places? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you go to the farms? Can you go to those creeks where the water's pouring out? Like a central Florida, tons of it, going going right into the water, Lake Okeechobee. What can you, you know, do? Like, I remember, this is going back years ago, you had uh, oil fired. I just, and I I came across this having nothing to do. We had an oil fired pool heater and then a gas one. And one of the things was like, all right, this gas is like 98 percent. It burns. You could put you could put your hand over it. It's not that Clean. hot. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, the amount of emissions that natural gas produces versus like oil or forget about coal or even wood, it's enormous. The change.
0: Significantly less. Yeah.
1: Right now, today, why isn't the government going out there and going, or at least back then, change everything from oil to natural gas and we got so much of it from the shale revolution it's like practically free and we'll cut down so much of the emissions right now while we go out and find that technology that replaces the plastic or replaces the gas in the future and do it in a you know and put your tax dollars there does that am i just coming up with the band-aid or am i making sense
0: (laughs) that might be a little bit of a different conversation i i think i'm probably biased in saying that For me, I think it's about education. I really do. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of our programming comes from, is when we do take people out on coastal cleanups, um, when we do go out on what we call floating classrooms, which is when we take uh, students or adults out on the water and actually show them the bay and talk to them about these issues, Um, when we can actually show them what's going on um, and tell them about this and actually get them in their hands on. um, It's a little bit different. So actually communicating to them that, yes, we see all these plastics that we're picking up on the beach, on the coastlines, and we can pick up hundreds of pounds potentially every single day. We could keep coming back and doing mm-hmm. it. Um, and people are seeing that as a problem, and they're saying, okay, but we're just putting this back into the landfill. Like, how is that really helping? Um, and it comes down to telling people like, Single-use plastics are definitely a problem. Um, the average use time for a single-use plastic is less than 15 minutes before it's actually disposed of. Mm-hmm. Um, but plastics are not the enemy. We definitely do need plastics for yeah. so many things, medical things, all kinds of stuff that's really Correct. vital. Um, so demonizing plastic is, is definitely a thing. It doesn't we definitely, help, right? Yeah, we definitely do demonize plastic sure. for the convenience that it gives us mm-hmm. um, and for the fact that we use it for so many things that we don't need it to. But it's really telling people like just think before you grab that single-use water bottle, ask yourself, oh, do I have something I could just refill? Can I mm-hmm. reduce this one plastic that I was going to use today? It's not, can I be perfect and never use plastic again? It's, right. can I reuse this one time that I was going to, just shifting your mindset a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for all types of pollution. It's, Um, shifting your mindset to saying, when I see, I can actively see somebody doing some kind of sediment or construction pollution or dumping something into the waterway that I know they're not supposed to. I know that there are organizations that I can report that to and they will fix it. I don't have to be the action, but Mm -hmm. I can initiate that series that's already in place that a lot of people just don't even know about. Um, So for us, it's a lot of just connecting people with those resources that we know organizations like us already have in place that people just don't even know about, that we are already out there doing the groundwork and organizations like us want to be there doing these things, we don't want to put it on the individual people who don't have the knowledge, have the skills to do these mm-hmm. things themselves, who feel kind of hopeless. We want them to be able to know, oh, I can call sea keepers and they can figure out what to do. And I can know that something's getting done about it. Right.
3: And, and you know, a lot of times it's not what can we do? It's like, what should we just not do? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, you know, I if I if I'm eating at home, even if it's takeout, but I know that I have more than enough metal washable forks and knives at home. Why am I going to use these single use plastic cutlery? So I tell them, no, thank you. You know, thanks for the food, but I don't need your plastic. That's just one small, tiny example. But um, that's how it starts. That's how it starts. And and, because it multiplies, right? So that's one thing that one person did. But if the millions of people in this state were to do that, then that's millions of pounds of those, of that plastic. Every day. That's not ending I, up in the waterway. So, yeah. So like
1: when you say that, and I'm just gonna take like the average person, yeah. right? Nobody, if you went up to the average person and said, do you wanna pollute stuff? Everybody would say no. Exactly, right? exactly. But we're in a world of convenience yeah. Yeah. constantly, you know? People are taking their kids to, to you know, just get some dinner at Chick-fil-A or something like that to grab something. They give you the plastic, whatever. Everybody's in this still in the fast-paced mode and they like to do it. I almost looked at it and and I want your opinion on this because it's, you know, I get the importance of it. and We all change, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, – uh, one of the things I do when you get back to boating is like, all right, your bilge you needs to be clean because that stuff that you pump out is horrible if it's yeah, not, absolutely. right? Yeah. So now I'm into that. But if you talk to, a, you know, come to most boaters, they don't even know what's in their bilge, you yeah. know? And, right. and, education. and so it's it, so all it's an education, education. thing, yeah. but it's also what you're locked in on, right? Mm. Like we're all locked in on certain things. Mm. We all have our causes that right. we have, right? Passions. But Habits. How do we, like, so when we take the time to recycle the plastic and all that stuff, I'm always of the mindset, listen, you know, hey, the politicians, you're collecting trillions of dollars from us. Why can't you just separate this stuff and recycle it? What what are you doing with all our money? (laughs) Absolutely. It's a great (laughs) question. So from a, let's say from a business person standpoint or just somebody who's paying out, all right, I'll recycle. I'm all for it. Why can't you do something with this? What What are you doing with all the money that we're ge- giving to you? You know, and uh, what other technologies are out there to get rid of the garbage? Like uh, very controversial, and um, I'm sure today, but years ago uh, when I was in New York, they built this plant instead of using a landfill. They bring this to, and they would incinerate mm-hmm. everything. That's
0: common in a lot of countries. I'm and really. what
1: happens though? They would take that. They would scrub the you know the gases that were coming yeah. out, um, and listen, I don't know if it's real or not, but what they what they published Claim was like do, it's yeah. pretty <laughs> clean. It's pretty clean stuff, right? And then they would just use the extra steam to run turbines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, how do we make that totally carbon neutral? And yeah. then we solve the in- entire. Problem, right? <laughs> again, is this wishful
3: thinking? It, or... it can be. I think mean, there's pros and cons to a lot of that, and sure, you know, we we again, you know, what's great is that we're not always the experts in these things, but mm-hmm. we work with plenty of people that are. So one expedition that um, we we did last year, it was just a day trip down to the Keys, but it was um, with a lab out of uh, the University of Georgia, who they specialize in Kind of waste management, um, especially call it circularity, circularity, circularity. Exactly. So they were doing a circularity assessment and seeing, okay, what are the different municipalities? How are they handling all this? How are they? And um, you know, and the person we were out there with. I mean, this is she's. a master's, if not already has her master's in it. Um, And she could tell you that there might be something that we're not thinking of because we're not the experts on why that might not be the best solution. It's maybe a good step in the right direction. But then is it worth it? Because then the other byproduct is this. And so whatever, we'll figure it out. But, you know, when you start to think of solutions a lot of times like katie said it's a band-aid mm-hmm. i i call it uh especially recycling it's like a band-aid on a shotgun wound um okay. it's not going to do much especially the way that a lot of recycling centers are run um so if you look at the you know it's funny i started drinking from this and i and i realized oh i have my sorry hour. i didn't want you to <laughs> It's, it's okay. me, no, yeah. but it's just so easy. Easy. no this is a great don't moment think no, this, about is, great. this yeah. is a learning opportunity sure. and so i'm glad we're here so um you know i have my 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 reusable bottle and i'll probably you know put this in there <laughs> but um and i without thinking i opened it up but that's okay because i'm gonna recycle this and i know i can recycle this and it will get recycled because if you look at the bottom you know that little triangle okay. that has a number in it a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know this but those numbers go from one to where is it seven One to, right one to seven what's this one it's usually a one these are bottles. usually a one yeah. so what most, that means, easily yeah, most easily recyclable plastics. Yeah, most easily recyclable. So there's different types of plastics. Okay. Um, again, all the scientific terms for each type. Couldn't tell you right now, but I know that...
4: The way that Yeah,
3: yeah, poly-something. P-E-T-E is another one, whatever. Um, but... The recycling facilities here, at least in South Florida, um, they only recycle ones and twos, and they have to be clean. Mm-hmm. That's another and way. dry. They have to be clean, dry. So if you, you think have to wash that, them
0: like your dishes, right, right, before you recycle them, exactly.
3: Which some people will take that extra step, a lot won't. I will. Um, right. Or or they'll just mix in their whatever plastics <clears throat> with everything else. Wishful recycling, recy- right? Is what we call yeah, wish cycling. There you go. Um, so as much as recycling is good for the stuff that you can recycle Mm -hmm. um it's it's not stopping the problem at the source and 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 that's you know all the plastic that gets produced and put out into the market so how do you curb that a little bit that's only going to happen with demand going down and if people use it less then people buy it less, people, you know, pl- or restaurants and businesses will order less of it. Mm-hmm. And eventually the market starts to dictate, the free market starts to dictate a good solution. Well, that's it's where I'm going. Yeah. It's slow, but it's it's really the best but, way. And it's like slowly turning off the tap. Yeah. You know,
1: right. But but that's what I'm look could make all your you know, free market, communism, whatever you want to <laughs> say. Right. But the free market does have a way. When it locks into something, it it dramatically changes. Right. Yeah. It's the biggest change of all the things when it becomes an economically viable thing to right. do. Yeah. That and that's why you try to find it. So, but a lot of people think. I mean, you brought up some interesting information. I had no idea about the numbers or whatever. Yeah. But a lot think of people don't. It. I could go on. You. We could. Anybody could go and Google and like, how do you process food or take you know like a. See if a nut
0: yeah. is That's a bad nut
1: to pull out of sixty million nuts that are flying through this machine. Yeah. And they take them out, boom, 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 yeah. boom. Yeah, You can't do that with a recycle thing. You can't do any of those things. Okay. I just don't know. think that. Yeah. I just don't think that they've.
0: I don't think they've that, maybe not tried hard enough. They've, I don't
1: think that, you know. No, they absolutely haven't tried hard yeah. enough. You can't do the things that we do today, yeah. right? It's
0: a very imperfect you, process. You something. can't. Right.
1: You can't fly a missile into a chimney. Exactly. Right? And get the guy thirty-five miles down. <laughs> Exaggerating, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not being critical of it. It's no.
0: you know, whatever. But, but we can't make a machine. But that we can't make a plastics. machine that could
1: say, hey, that plastic is this, or or look, it's dirty. We could clean it up in this process. Absolutely, you know, you're I, right. I just I don't buy it. I think it's um I think it's a it's a problem. I like that you guys are holding the line on like, I'm looking always for the how do you fix, fix it. it yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're calling it a band-aid, and I'm and I'm not going back and upset about it. I'm like, all right, I get it, but what I'm really hearing here is it's absolutely a combination.
0: What I can if, tell you is the reason that we continue to create new plastics instead of recycling mm-hmm. old ones is because it's cheaper. It's actually much cheaper, much more efficient for yeah. corporations really, right. to create to, new plastic than to recycle and clean the old plastic. So right. they would much rather, they don't see the buy-in from the public mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. forcing the economy to actually change. Right. So they say, okay, well, it makes more sense for us to keep making our own. Nobody's really complaining that much. Right. And the recycling centers aren't set up for it anyway. So let's just keep making it and nothing's going to happen.
1: So we're going to be fighting them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. So the I mean, other question I have, Go ahead. People,
2: you yeah, yeah. So I've I've heard about groups of scientists that have found microbes that can digest plastic in, and you know their waste would be organic materials. Crazy. So yeah, so I do think there's really amazing research out there that's coming out, and I think it's really important to keep furthering that and placing, um, you know, priority on doing research like this because right maybe maybe there's some sort of solution to having microbes eat up all the plastic yeah, or something yeah. like that. But we just don't know yet. And right. we love to support people that are dedicated to finding novel answers like that.
1: Right, but you never know what you introduce, right? Once exactly. you- Exactly, that's the tr- something
2: right? you up. But up you can, can do or. it in a closed, right. like a confined area. Sure, you area. keep it in a clo- yeah. confined
1: area. And um, you know, sometimes with that oil eating bacteria or whatever that, that's out there. But um, But in the meantime, well, we're trying to change minds, right? Yeah. Why aren't the, you know, again, we go back to the climate change and the concern, and we go right back to the ocean, which is, I think, is so much more important. Um, why aren't the governments, the super wealthy governments, <clears throat> just sending out ships to collect the garbage in the, uh, in the Pacific?
0: Might be a good time to debris tracker.
3: <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think you probably have a good... Um, uh, answer for that one uh rebecca's <laughs> sort of her research maybe well
1: listen my point is right is if you want to tax us because we're giving out too much carbon and mm. get us and whatever and create the stuff you know if you went out and you said all right listen we got to tax you for this or we're going to use some of the money that we already took from you that we don't know what we're doing with and we're going to send a bunch of ships out as like the the western nations yeah. that are so dedicated yeah. to the to Private the environment why can't they just send out tons of these ships that go out there and just clean up the stuff. And then if the public sees that there's, you know, trillions of pounds of plastic coming in, uh, maybe you'll do. Why haven't continents so, of plastic? Right. For,
2: I mean, the first issue is cost. It's expensive. It requires resources. You're going to have to tow massive nets. I mean, the Pacific garbage patch is what, like the size of it's like a Texas country or something. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. And we're actually working with a researcher out of Georgetown University who's studying life at the surface of the ocean. So these are often called neustonic organisms. They're things like blue button jellyfish, or have you ever mm-hmm. seen Portuguese man of war? Yes,
1: I love them when they wash.
2: Yeah. Bars. (laughs) Yeah. So all of these organisms, right? Yeah. So they live at the surface of the ocean and they're a really important ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with sargassum, which is that floating seaweed that we have gotten a ton of in South Florida this year. Um, It kind of prolifically grows when it's really, really hot. So all of these creatures call the surface of the life uh, of the ocean home. And it can actually be detrimental to just go out and scoop up everything where we would be killing a lot. So Recently, the United Nations passed the High Seas Treaty, which is basically a, a mission to further research life at the surface of the ocean and potentially establish marine protected areas so that we can kind of study how valuable this life is, how it interacts with other life in the ocean, what it could be telling us about all of these different anthropogenic changes that are happening. So it's kind of a multifaceted problem of it would be amazing if we could just take a giant net and scoop yeah. all the trash out of the ocean, mm-hmm. but we would be taking a lot of marine life with well, it. Well,
1: some organiz- organizations are doing that, though, right? There are organizations
2: and that are doing
0: that. And they're using special kind of
1: nets to sort of like...
0: But it's a huge best. hurdle for them. It takes yeah. a lot of funding. It takes a lot of mm-hmm. specialized equipment. So it's just not... I mean, considering what we know about the fact that these garbage patches are also just exponentially growing because mm-hmm. we continue to put more plastic out there, um, it's kind of an ongoing battle If they would just be endlessly going out to try to collect all this garbage mm-hmm, okay. from the garbage That's patch the size of, you know, a, a U.S. state... Yeah. So you
1: guys are out there doing your part to basically say, okay, what do you do? And you, you're bringing it back even to boaters or yachters in terms mm-hmm. of what to Absolutely. do. And I and I talked a little bit about, um, you know, if I'm going out on the water, I got to make sure that everything is right. You know, that engine room is there. You check it to make sure you don't have any leaks. You we'll know, check. all that yeah. stuff that you do if you're doing the right captaining stuff, mm-hmm. right? So um, one of the things you notice is... <clears throat> I'll go and look in other people's bilges, or if we're going to buy a boat or whatever. Often you'll find oil, you'll find some gas if it's a gas engine. Uh, you'll find some debris; it's right there. Uh, you get a small leak, it starts pumping out that—I mean, horrible stuff—right out into the environment. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that the other thing that I see a lot of is uh, just you know with your holding tanks, whether they're gray or the black holding tanks, and the lack of. Again, we'll go back to government or whatever, lack of pump out places. right? And um, and people just don't know. A lot of people have no idea what they're doing when they're boating. Yeah. They jump into it. Um, hopefully they keep it in the, cha- in the channels and don't kill themselves. Yeah. But when it comes down to those, you know, like, all right, my holding tank is full. Uh, I know you got a three mile limit, um, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are just pushing that switch whenever they're, out on the water. What kind of damage does that do to the environment? Just like one dump?
0: Yeah, especially in places like Florida and the Caribbean where we have corals Um, Mm. because that direct influx of nutrients can be really damaging as well as all the things that it recruits, the bacteria, the things that come along with it can introduce diseases. Um, What a lot of people don't know is that humans can actually spread diseases to different parts of the ocean. So we can actually pick up Uh, microbes, pathogens, things like that, carry them with us in the water on our wetsuits when we're diving, on our gear if we're not cleaning it, things like that. So it's not just the boat. It's also, you know, the people, the things you're putting in the water can also be carrying Mm -hmm. these things with them. They can introduce invasive species, pathogens into these areas and wreak a lot of havoc, which is why especially places with really big ecotourism industries like the Bahamas are generally so strict about people coming in because they want to make every possible uh, stance to try to make sure that they're limiting the ecological damage that's happening when people are just not thinking about it and being careless and doing those things mm. that they don't think are going to cause damage.
1: So on those, you should just have more pump out stations, yeah. right? Yeah. I It's very I mean, hard. Like I have a boat in the marina, I can't tell you how many times you'll pull up, you want to get gas. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the yeah. uh, it's broken. More accessibility. It doesn't work. Absolutely. It doesn't work. I'd say they work uh, less than. Boats do.
0: And that's a public infrastructure (laughs) issue. And in places like South Florida, where sometimes in some places you might have more boats in the water than you have cars in the road at certain times, Mm -hmm. um, and there aren't access to areas like that, it's going to become a problem, whether you think it is or not. And maybe you're not seeing it because people are deciding, oh, I'll just go out and dump it so they don't see the demand for it, so they're not changing it. Um, and so educating people and saying that's actually really harmful. You should be advocating for, you know, more access to pump stations at your marina or in you th- your county. Do you
1: think the manufacturers should play a role in this? <clears throat> of the boats?
3: Yeah. Well, what what could they do? I mean, like maybe. Like warning labels, maybe. Yeah. Or what, like onboard treatment? Uh, Is
1: there something that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. You that's know, an interesting I, question. Look, there are problems. And then, like, how do you...
3: There could be, but How yeah. do you deal with it?
1: So, But it really comes down to what I'm concerned with is that we're not gonna do anything until we have some serious problems. And I know that's like, yeah. for example, like the coral, right? And and I think it gets mixed up because when you go to the, the climate change thing, you have a 50-50 split of people. And most people go, yeah, like I said, climate change, but they're, people are polarized and so all right the coral yeah it's from warming waters whatever the case is but i think the biggest issue out there is that when you pump out stuff even from just a small amount of garbage and you hit those things i think you're going to do the most look if the planet heats up and something happens to the coral we may or may not have something to do with that with the waters right but we know for sure that it's not natural for a yacht or a boat to pump out yeah. shit Absolutely. into the water, yeah, right? No so we can—that's that. something we can agree on, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what you're seeing is that now some of the coral—I think like in 2014 they had some uh, virus that they got or something, right? In in Miami, and then it's spreading to the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. There's some—you uh, know—been using actually what uh, some antibiotic to try to help the situation, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, that's been working, but. Yeah. I think we know people need to see that, like, hey, I can't see it. You're telling me it's carbon, great. What are you doing about it? You want money from me? Hey, you're pumping out crap into the water and this is what it's doing. It's a yeah. different story. And I think people have a, a very quick response to that. And I think that message is certainly out. So how much damage are we doing to the water rates, the seagrass, which is critical, and all the life forms that are out there that are all part of the chain that we need to protect um and I know that we yeah. could do something in terms of dumping. Dumping yeah. is a bit uh, uh, you know, I'm not denying climate yeah. change. I'm not saying forget all that, but I do know that we're pumping out a bunch of garbage into the water yeah, right. no and it's got to kill a lot of stuff.
3: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So and
1: what do they what are we do we what is what is our activity of pumping our garbage into the water? What are you seeing?
0: Um I mean as far as pumping, you guys maybe attest to this more, having more interaction with boats. We don't typically have an issue with, like, interacting with people who are are dumping. Cruise ships are maybe a, another topic of discussion, mm. um, completely unregulated as far as that. But I think it's really just another condition of education. It's really just letting people know, like, yeah, it might be really inconvenient to wait to pump out your tanks. But considering you should have been preventative and, you know, pump them out before they got full, um, but we have the Green Guide to Boating, which yeah. it, it is intended to help people kind of make mm-hmm. decisions like that and know things that they might not think about with their boat and sustainability. Things like painting your hull with anti-foul, um, using a different type of you know gas and oil mixture depending on your engine. Things like that, reducing mm-hmm. drag. Um, things that people don't think about that it's going to really limit your impact on the environment, your footprint that your boat's going to make.
3: Using, uh, you know, mooring balls instead of anchors, especially in some more sensitive areas where there's coral. No, they have
1: them. So, like, if you go down to the Keys or along the Keys, there's a bunch of mooring balls down there.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, you just got to find them. You, you know, just reefs are make better choices. That's like really that. what it's about. So,
1: one of the things that manufacturers might be able to do is just make, have more, you know, give give people a real understanding of what boating is or maybe provide them with some courses or yes. things of that nature. Exactly. Um because, you know, you could do a lot of damage out there. You ever see those guys who just hit a sandbar and just hit oh, their motor? Yeah. Like imagine if they go through a grass field or oh, something. I
0: Ideally, I think boating safety and management would be like locally based, especially because mm-hmm. in areas like Biscayne Bay, like it's such a unique environment. I mean, boating there is so different than boating in other places, even in South Florida. Um, And people do, you know, we have reefs marked off, sandbars are marked off, but you're always gonna see people not knowing what they're doing and running into things, dragging their anchors and things like that. Um, But I think
1: you're gonna get, if you, there's always going to be, you're never never gonna be that, but for the most part, keeping people away, are there any any things, uh, you know, as you're getting this data, so people are joining into your organization, being part of that, how has it helped? What have you seen of your efforts?
3: Yeah. um well All right, I'm, it, you've
1: you now guilted me into not using water so I'm going to use this last episode there you go. to drink this and uh, <laughs> and, oh, then, and then you'll buy you and know, then
0: you'll be hunting, like this, right? you'll and, get uh, some boating insider I and have water some bottles. of them. yeah yeah yeah
3: you just and you know again going back to habits and things you know when you make it routine when you make a habit to grab this whenever you leave the house then that's 3 less water bottles you might buy that week or whatever but um Well, anyway. it's
1: routine for me to grab the coffee cup Exactly You're right? used so to it. it's routine and I don't use a reuse you know
0: Got to change your habits So you yeah. have to change the habits
1: We've got to work on that so, that's such a yeah. human problem isn't it really it? is
3: <laughs> truly I know it is it is but you know you got to do it Um where were we um what
1: changes what, have we seen What have changes have you seen what difference have you have you made Well
3: you know, whenever you kind of educate people and you see the little the light bulb moment, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's true. I should. But, you know, and so I believe and we at Seakeepers believe that the message is just as important as the solution. The, yeah, the solutions that, and, and the research that we're facilitating. Mm-hmm. So when we go and, and we help either you know scientists get them out on the water learn new things get new data about what's what's going on or yeah. in katie's world citizen science which is the, the term we use for well i'll let her expand on that in a second but
1: we have um, to ask you what citizen yeah, science yeah, 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 is because yeah. yeah. that's uh, a good we're one give her a
3: segment <laughs> um and uh you know we 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 tell those stories as much as we can so i i made it a point i was like i'm never going to go on another expedition or out on the water without filming the entire thing it's on my phone but hey these iphones are you know other smartphones have pretty good cameras on them now um and and i taught myself how to edit video Mm -hmm. and and now i'm like okay well because if not then people aren't gonna learn the same things that we're learning just by being out there with the experts And if people don't learn, or if the general public doesn't learn, then yeah, uh, our efforts will have kind of... What was the point? Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. it'll fall on academic ears. (laughs) Maybe not deaf ears, but academic ears. And, you know, they just talk amongst themselves and then, no, but I want to show the public what we're learning from these experts. Look, I think you need
1: a mix of academic. I think you need a, uh, you know environmentalist fanatics, if you will. And I don't right. even, I'm not saying it, no, you do. Oh, yeah. And I think you need the combination of the business. I think that the the reason why we have so many of these problems is we don't work together. Everybody just, is like, you're bad, oh no, you're actually bad. You don't know what you're talking about. It goes yeah. around in circles and get there. But, um, you know, as you're talking, I, you know, in terms of people changing their habits, one thing that i found is that people are extremely motivated by money. Wouldn't it be, if you told everybody they were were getting five cents for every piece of plastic that they dropped into their recycle bin, as long as it was clean, how fast do you think it would take to clean up the environment? Well, it's
0: funny where I'm from in Michigan, <laughs> you actually do do that. Well, you, it's like the you cans, get a right? You yeah, get a you deposit. get a deposit on plastic bottles and aluminum right. cans and you do get, you get so 10 they cents charge back you for everyone you recycle.
1: Right. Wow. And then they give you back. But, you know, if you made it more of a, natural, a national thing and you made it like a big deal. I can't
0: believe it is a national. It blows. Yeah. When I moved here, I was like, I don't know why they don't do that everywhere.
1: Because, yeah. you know, hey, clean it up, do whatever the case is. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll pay you for it. It's the same thing. You could flip it around on the pump out.
0: A recycling if you subsidy. a boat
1: owner that they'll you'll pay X amount of whatever for a gallon of your garbage. <laughs> Let me tell we'll you, pay they'd you be to lined pump it up. out, yeah. yeah. Because wouldn't it be cheaper to do that than to deal with the damage? I mean, if you really think about it, again, go to the cost. Uh, thing and if you look the damage that it does to just the environment and uh, in general to pump that stuff out we're not seeing it we're not getting Mm -hmm. and hopefully with your organizations and more people that get involved and see it we'll be able to help see the you know the problems but then what is the way to fix it and you're talking about going to the source and i've just found that Money changes people's behavior the uh, fastest in the world. But the punitive stuff indeed. creates opposition. and the and the uh, non-punitive gets everybody to to join. And, you know, like, hey, positive reinforcement. (laughs) Hey, if you get rid of that old uh, vehicle that uh, is pumping out soon, you get a more efficient vehicle, we'll give you tax credit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And people might say, oh, you're giving the tax uh, away to the companies or people for nothing. But the cost of doing that is so much less than having a mess on your hands and try to clean it up. Yeah. Because what you're telling me on the, just scoop up the garbage, was my quick solution for it, right? <laughs> is, it that is that yeah. that yeah, creates even more problems. And, and you ruined my day with that answer because <laughs> I thought that was a simple solution. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know, these are some of the things, and and maybe you know, it would be great if people could see the data and then come up with some of the solutions of, uh, Because we do spend a massive amount of money. The U.S. government spends trillions of dollars a year. I don't know what they're doing with it. Right. And most of us don't.
2: We might need some reprioritizing. We need some (laughs)
1: reprioritizing. But I think that, um, you know, and just keep those in the back of your mind when you might go, you know what, there's a way to economically do that? And politicians are always looking for the easy answer, so they might go along with it. People like money and then you get a win-win for everybody. But let's circle back for a moment, since you ruined my day about just going (laughs) up and cleaning (laughs) up. Bring it it back
2: in here. Uh,
1: What is citizen science?
2: So, citizen science is involving the public in scientific research without the need for scientists, like actual you know researchers at universities, to be on board or to be involved in in the data collection process at all. So, so
1: give me an example. So, here I am walking around, feeling guilty about the bottle, and I'm going to be forced <laughs> to change this.
2: So, it's one is of- terrible,
1: but you did it to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, what would I do?
2: So, I mean, one of our citizen science projects involving plastics is called Marine Debris Tracker, and so this is an app that was created that can basically help people to track all of the different pieces of trash that they're finding. So whether it's at a cleanup organized by a nonprofit like ours or you're doing your own personal cleanup or even if you're just on your boat, you know we encourage a lot of our vessel owners to, to keep an eye out, keep a pool net on um, handy when they're traveling and then if you see trash floating, scoop it up and document it. So just that data being documented can help policies be created, you know, put in place that can limit certain things. Um, so many so cigarette butts. For this or something, yeah. or it's called Marine Debris Tracker. Yeah, I think okay. it's is yeah. it National Geographic funded?
0: Something like that. Um, yeah. it's, it's actually so, created with one of our partner yeah, research the, scientists, the, the ones lab. at UGA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So it's really it's a really neat way to document all of these these pieces of trash that everyone's finding and where you know showing where they're ending up. What might be the most problematic um, piece of trash or item that's found in a certain area, like Miami Beach banned cigarettes on the beach. Whether it's enforced well enough is debatable, but you know, there there was significant evidence that cigarette butts, I mean, you take a, a handful of sand mm-hmm. and it's just oh, so many cigarette butts. Yeah. And they did something about it, you know, that was something that came to people's attention. And we think that things like Marine Debris Tracker can do that too. But we also have science projects that people can be really more um, hands-on involved in. So we have something called the Newston Net Research Collective. This is one of the projects in this collective is that project I was talking about where she's studying life at the surface of the ocean. And we basically equip boats with a net. So they'll tow it alongside their boat and they can analyze those samples and send them back to the researchers because researchers don't get the funding to travel all over the world to get the samples that they need
1: so things like that make a big difference so if you just out and you just throw this net over you collect yeah. it. So what do I do? I'm out on the boat. I'm like, all right, I got to do my part. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it takes you 30 okay. minutes and you get samples that are going to significantly enhance a researcher's data. Okay. And they, right now we have people all over the world participating in this project. So Dr. Rebecca Helm is going to be getting samples from the Arctic, from the South Pacific, everything ro- in between. These are great.
1: But what people, and I find, notice, you know, I'm more in the nitty gritty of the boater, mm-hmm. you know, from our business, like how do you operate your boat and what do you do? Hey, I could do sample. What is, what do I have to do? Like I grab this net, I put it in a box. What is it? What does it look like for me? Like, all right, I'm gonna throw the net over. Then I pull this net up, what do I do?
2: Well, so (laughs) you'll tow it at about one to two knots for 15 to 30 minutes, just depending. We have three different projects that are involved. Um, one project is studying sargassum and these single celled toxic algae that it might be transporting to coast. So okay. that is kind of a project involved in harmful algal blooms. Um, but same thing for all of these projects in the Newston Net Research Collective, you would put the net over the side of your okay. boat, tow it at a very slow speed for you know upwards of 30 minutes. And then depending on the project, one of the projects is just taking pictures of what you find, that biodiversity oh, assessment. Oh, you don't
1: put it in a box or ship it out?
2: You don't have to for this one. It's how could you see for the little small
1: little i mean you
2: have to get up close we'll have participants put so it's collected into a bottle at the end of the net okay you can dump that into a sieve so um just kind of like strain out all the water and you'll get any types of organisms you find on the surface and she is just asking people to take close-up pictures to send so that she knows and of course that comes with coordinates and you know data like that so will
1: you be are you able to use a gps from the photo No, work? they'll, are they'll you know, need they'll, to record. Yeah. So we okay. have data sheets
2: that everybody gets and they'll put down their coordinates from their GPS okay. and potentially things like how fast they were going, what, um what area they covered in the time that they were towing, if they're able to measure water temperature, things like that. So mm-hmm. That is all really important data that these researchers could never have the funding or the time to go out and explore all of these and collect the so data. So this is
1: giving you a big cross-section. You're not just getting it from Sanibel Island Inlet. Right. You're also right. getting it from the Great yeah. South Bay in New York yeah. or whatever, and it's all over the place. And then you could start putting together
3: You're you're crowdsourcing the data Crowdsourcing the data, which is good. You know, it's like, again, you could be one scientist on one boat at one location at at a given point, and you're just studying that one location. But if you are a citizen scientist and part of this greater fleet, it's literally data coming in from all over to this. To this one person, we're seventy
0: percent it. ocean. It's yeah. got to get a lot of people out there. I to
3: know.
1: I would think it'd be great for schools or whatever kids to go yeah. out on trips, do stuff yeah. like that. We that have. That would be very helpful.
2: We're connected with um, some families who live full-time on sailboats, and a few of these families will have two or three kids that are still doing school while they're mm-hmm. living aboard a sailboat traveling the world. It's a dream. It's like a
1: new thing, right? yeah. 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 The YouTube stuff. <laughs> but some
2: of them are participating in our citizen science projects to count for the science portion of their, stu- of their children's education. So it's really very amazing. Cool. They get hands-on experience for marine research. They get to contribute to a global project. And it gets to count for school, so yeah. it's a pretty yeah, it's amazing useful, deal. Right? Yeah, it's a
1: useful thing to learn. Exactly, that's awesome. So then we go to um, so what What advice do you give out in your green uh, boating green, if you will, or is it yacht green or green, green, guide, green to
0: guide, to guide to boating? Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: So what is it g- generally in that? What What tips can you give to boaters? Say, listen, if you do this, you're going to make a significant difference. What are some of the key things that a boater can do?
0: It really is an encyclopedia of sustainable Mm -hmm. boating. Um, We really have tried to put together kind of all of the major things we could think of that you would be able to control in your boat to make your footprint minimal. Overall, it, it just kind of depends on, on where your main focus is for your vessel, what kind of vessel you have. Obviously, for a skiff, it's going to be a little bit different for sustainable <laughs> boating than it would be for a 200-foot right. super yacht. Um, so there's obviously differences there. But mainly, it's about being aware of your surroundings, especially your environment, knowing what things are allowed. Things like dumping, knowing where mm-hmm. you're allowed to go, following the no-wake rules and things like that. Just really reducing your direct impact on the environment.
2: And I think a lot of it too is non-toxic chemicals or you know alternative products that you can use on board in replacement of you know other types Solves of and detergents. yeah Solve exactly and acid. all of that yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and even things like sunscreen or bug spray you know we have a lot of alternatives uh, mineral-based sunscreens because the the oxybenzones in normal sunscreens just kill coral and coral larvae and really? so we yeah we recommend different sunscreens that are mineral-based that won't you know harm the reefs and. And there's so it's a really comprehensive guide i so mean let it me, covers
1: so yeah, one of the biggest thing. thing no and that's a, so where do i find it
2: online okay. you can go to seakeepers.org and yeah. look for our green guide to boating page
4: all right we perfect. also
0: have uh what's called the green marine blog which is kind of where we take different topics from our green guide to boating and every month we write a blog post kind of detailing more about why it's important that you do those things we actually wrote one last month on sunscreens so in the guide it'll say like oh you should kind of avoid t- chemical sunscreens but then you can go to our website to try to get more if you want to know why why is that that we want to do those things mm-hmm. um you can actually learn more about it and educate yourself even so
1: further. why do they sell sunscreen what is the difference so b- the big issue is always like all right if i did get a different cleaner if i get it doesn't work as is as, as good as the good stuff uh sunscreen hey i, I don't want to be getting sun cancer, you know, skin cancer. So I got to use the stuff that works. Does this stuff work? What are the differences? Mineral
0: sunscreens are almost outperforming almost all chemical sunscreens, actually. So a good mineral sunscreen, yeah, is actually almost better. Look for the percent
2: of zinc oxide. You want something that's more than like 10%? Or titanium.
0: You want, yeah, yeah, total more than 15 of the active sunscreen ingredients. Um, And you want to avoid pretty much anything that ends with an own, oxybenzone, avobenzone. Anything like that is a chemical that is Potentially going to soak into a coral and harm the actual reproductive.
1: Besides the coral, who else is it? What else does it harm? Does well, it harm the corals fish? are really important. Right so yeah.
0: the the coral reefs um, that are are built and are impacted by these uh, different types of sunscreens are providing habitat for you know more than half of our ocean's life.
2: Yeah. So okay. whether it's a direct or indirect consequence, if we kill off all the corals, we'll lose the home Every of twenty five percent of, of so
1: our ocean we, so, so other th- people would just ask and they're, they're naive about it but i'll just, why didn't they why is it not banned chemical
0: well, sunscreens are cheap to make
3: yeah and it's all
0: about the money Yeah,
3: and yeah. it depends on how much your local government cares so hawaii i believe did ban complete ban yeah on chemical ban. sunscreens but, but that's just one state um but here's the other yeah. thing what
1: I found with companies, and I'll be cynical on the company side. if you uh force them to make something that's more more expensive, they'll just double the price and say, "Look, we were forced to do to it. Make they'll make profit. more money absolutely so I don't know if it's profit it's motivated. About accessibility I think also. it's I think they're you know. I think if it's cost more money and somebody they could blame somebody else to raise the, the price, you know.
2: Yeah, but I think that's where we would need policies then. Because say mm-hmm. this chemical sunscreen is banned, then they would have no choice but to lower the cost of this yeah. mineral sunscreen. It would be the only option on the market and you would have competitors.
0: It's either so. money or policy that's going to motivate. Unfortunately, in our type of market, um, what the people want doesn't necessarily become as motivating as what the market serves.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a battle, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. It's and, a constant battle.
3: And and I'll I'll go back to it, but you know, there's there's little tips and, and habits that maybe people don't even think. But the best sunscreen is to cover your skin from the sun. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, just, absolutely. So, don't so, go in the sun. Yeah,
3: you know, if unless you're going to go swimming, um, and even then, but I mean, you
1: still need it on your face or whatever yeah, right, right. places. Like right. That. Right.
3: Like, but but rather than lather your entire body in something. <laughs> You know, um, but or or wait, you know, wait till you're going to. But, um, you know, if, if you're just going to go fishing and you can wear, you know, a long sleeve, you know, mm-hmm. lighter material, but long sleeve, Functure maybe tops. some kind of good hat, um, you know. Uh, now, well, I guess
1: this is more for people
3: getting in the water,
1: right? And they're yeah, actually going to exactly. swim around the whole of course, bit. Of course, of yeah, course. Exactly. Um, but it's interesting, you know, you, you, you start. Look, what I'd really like to find is it would be nice if people started working together. It's like it would be nice. But they really <laughs> – I do. think they really do because everybody has different opinions. Every Everybody knows everything and nobody knows anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. if you just – Right? Oh, we should do this. And it's like completely ridiculous. And like they don't you said, know. It.
0: If you went up to people and said, Do you want to pollute the environment? chances are they would say no. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's really about people knowing that their actions have consequences. Right.
1: And what happens is the policies swing, mm-hmm. they become so overbearing and then exactly. people reject it and then they don't want to hear anything from the uh, people out there who are trying to clean up the environment because mm-hmm. they're labeled and it goes back mm-hmm. and forth. And then mm-hmm. if you're a business, then you're labeled as being bad. And I don't know what the purpose is. I'm trying to figure out why there has to be such divisive nonsense. Absolutely. But clearly there are multiple things because you know, if you take business people, if you take like entrepreneurs, they solve problems. That's what they do. There's a mm-hmm. problem and they solve it. Right. And all too often they're demonized as the bad guys because they're just worried about business. So the scientific community never gets an opportunity to use their looking for the, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, the answer to the,
0: (laughs) you know, the solution to the problem. I mean, there are scientific entrepreneurs too. Like we have like the people who created Seabin, which was directly to kind of solve a problem in a marina of trash building up in coastal areas. Um, so entrepreneurs are great. We love entrepreneurs. Right. It's just kind of what, what problems they're trying to solve. We would right. love if they were trying to solve our problems and not convenience I, I just think
1: right. that there's ways that, you know, if you're out there getting this data and information and then, find you know, feeding, you know, seeding the minds of uh, the entrepreneur, if you will, or companies of like, hey, you know, if, the, if you did this, you know, why can't we filter certain things? Why can't we do... So? It just seems to me that I think if business knew more mm-hmm. about what's going on and the why, yeah, they could h- help come up with more, you know, solutions. Right. So it I mean, would be, you, and I mean, you guys just seem to be out there, you're not, doesn't seem like you're doing it. It's like, you're just going out there, getting the information, trying to educate and, um, and and go on that route, which is critical. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, now yeah, I did this podcast, on. and I'm, I'm I am lamenting that I have to give this up because <laughs> I know you're right. <laughs> right, I know you're right. Yeah. it's just so convenient.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I'm annoyed that everybody carries like the bottles <laughs> around. It's like yeah. look at my bottle, and it annoys me. <laughs> it's a
0: personality
1: trait. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: can be one of those people too. Yeah, yeah,
1: now yeah. I can you can design
0: your own. Although I did use one when I was bottle.
1: hiking in the in the mountains because yeah. uh, they come in handy. Yeah.
0: Because you phone. know,
1: you can't carry 14 bottles, and when you're up 10,000 feet or wherever we were, yeah, if you don't drink water every second, you're gonna die. So, yeah, you know, I'm going up to water fountains, I never do that, yeah. it's just <laughs> ridiculous.
3: I mean, look, we're, we're lucky enough that we live in a country where nine times out of ten, you're gonna open a tap and it's gonna be drinkable, potable sure. water. Exactly. So, Uncommon. I say, we 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 you know use what we have um and and there's really i don't know I, I see personally i see no reason for buying water that's bottled from a store um you Sometimes know there's filters comes from the same source <laughs> yeah yeah and that's another thing i mean but it costs these, like
1: these, the, the cost is yeah and you're paying for it these
3: exactly th- yeah exactly no i know you're you're already paying for it on some level you know to get it from your tap and then you're paying even more for to get it in a bottle which the quality isn't always better um you can buy a brita filter if you really need it um you know some people are like ill, tap water is gross and then, okay fine. <laughs> i don't know what they're talking i really don't. <laughs> i've it, never it, found the difference put it in, put it in a brita <laughs> bottled filter water has flavors
0: to. too which is funny.
3: yeah yeah so um and and you know if you really do if you're in a situation where you do need to have individually packaged containers of water um to give out to people or whatever there are all, all alternatives so metal bottle, you know, yeah, aluminum, aluminum bottles, aluminum cans now. So cardboard cardboard, ones, yeah. cardboard, there you go. Yeah. Look, so there, there, there's, there's solutions. The cardboard there, there's,
1: box, it okay. just doesn't <laughs> seem the same. I'll go with the aluminum, aluminum I tried yeah, them.
2: Infinitely recyclable. See, so you yeah. still have exactly. options, non-plastic options. They're out sure. there, people yeah, just don't yeah.
1: it's still
3: don't know about them. And still and, convenient.
1: I don't yeah. know, listen.
3: And people forget, it's so we, fine, we have to remind them.
1: It's fine, you don't need the straw. I can't drink from a paper straw, come on. It's not a solution.
0: They have
2: agave straws. Pasta straws. Those even... are basically. I mean, they pasta feel like plastic. Straws. Pasta straws. They have pasta straws. <laughs> I <didn't know> that. <laughs> okay, but have you have you seen the ones that are kind of like a grainy brown color? It's like a fiber. Yeah, so those are made of agave, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of the same hardness as textile. plastic. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but it's it's not plastic. So yeah. there's. There's, there's a, options. There's a, bioplastics. There's all kinds of stuff. If you need a stuff. straw, yeah. again,
3: I'm gonna play. You know, not not devil's advocate, but just the kids need straws. There's
0: necessary. You know, times you got to keep straws. the kids. Exactly. Medical exactly. Necessities, things
1: maybe like
3: that. the kids do, but there's a lot of adults out there using straws, and it's I don't know. Use I, cups I, like this. I think they have the ability to do this.
1: They do <laughs> usually. <laughs> but what if you're driving? And you it. I do it every this, day
0: my
2: bottle has a straw on it It's still I works. can do it you can do it too
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so you know right I guess if you could drink your coffee right yeah, but, yeah hey hey listen you got a point there but <laughs> what you wanted to look the other problem too is the thing of a free market is people don't want to be told what to do right they want to be convinced mm-hmm. that it's the right mm-hmm. thing okay so when you start taking away things from people you look no matter what you do you lose half the people they're just not, they're not and there's a good purpose to that too you know you don't want to be have things forced upon you right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you take into account human nature i think a lot of us don't we'll just do this this is bad so therefore we've determined and we're going to make you and then you just it just look we've been living it for 20 years it's not getting us anywhere we just go around in circles we have all these resources and all these capabilities and we solve nothing anymore we just fight over the color of red <laughs> and blue <laughs> and that's it and we don't do anything else and we're actually getting dumb as a result of it yeah. people should be talking about these things uh look we just learned here i'm like get those ships out you frauds in in these governments <laughs> telling us you're cleaning up the environment get them out there now i would venture to guess that those world leaders don't know that that you'd be affecting the surface either right, right? yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. it would just go you know nowhere but I would come back to the scientific community and like I had a great idea. Well, how do we still do it? Can you find a solution for me? Come on, you're the scientist. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get that Banter back and forth and the minds working together. You get minds working together and then you could start shifting the whole thing. Don't take away my straw. Give me something that's hard enough to drink the thing.
0: <laughs> and that's oh, part of the benefit right. of connecting the researchers to connecting the public. Connecting the researchers. With what right. we were able to right. do, yeah. Right. So
1: that's, an. Uh, but it's really interesting that you're taking yacht owners who are always viewed as, or the boat owners as being like, bad guys sure. for That's part of the problem, and t- absolutely. In China, t- which is great because just your approach says, hey, we want to work together. We don't want to- You don't create- have to be demonized. Yeah, you don't have to be demonized and then you could start opening up right, the world. And I, and, I, and I think that's what, so now this has made me think, I have to come back to more things with you guys and say, all right, what about this solution? Because I've got to come up with something that you go, oh, that's great.
0: <laughs> That'll work. New Citizen Science Project. And then, yeah. how do
1: you, and then how do you make it on a mass scale? Because we do change great. fast. And as far as like the zincs or whatever the things are, and I'm looking for mineral. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mineral uh, sunscreen, yep. yep.
1: Sunscreen. We have to write this down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to do it too. I'm going to run the, the water bottles and I'm and I'm looking for the mineral stuff because um, that would be good. I don't lather up. I just have to put some. Sure, yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. Of front. course. Of but course. Um, you know, there's 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 a whole bunch of things out there that we can you know do to make a difference. But when I'm, when you were talking about the cost of things, think about it for a minute. I won't mention the theme parks. But in some theme parks, this costs ten dollars.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. right? Oh. So when you talk about
1: how much more could a sunscreen, the little thing of sunscreen <laughs> that you just put on your nose or something, be that much more than uh, something with the yeah,
3: you know the same
1: owns or whatever yeah. in there owns, right? Yeah, I mean, people will pay if it makes sense. Yeah. Right. So that's what we need to yeah. do. What else do you have to say? What else are you doing for the world? What else? What are the words that you want to get out to everybody? And, uh, you know, the boaters definitely should go to the boating green. And it seems like common sense stuff, which is yeah. awesome. And I think the approach of common sense, you know, in trying to help clean up the environment is a mm-hmm. great way. So I think they should do it. You should probably get try to get that into the hands of the manufacturers. Yeah. I think what we're going to do, too, we're going to take our product, which is Vessel Vanguard, quick thing in there for it. And we're going to put that on every boat that's uh, that's out there in their uh, document section.
0: Awesome. There you go. You know
1: what I'm saying? So let's do that. Let's just do that across the board. So let's down, down, download that document and let's awesome. make a big deal about that. And maybe we could put it even in some of our marketing things like, hey, the environment matters. That's, we'll promote uh, our features on our system and we'll throw your document in there. How's there that?
3: There you go. That That's one of the biggest... <clears throat> things you can do is again we, we we've spent probably the majority of this podcast talking about educating the public mm-hmm. and, you know whatever and so you know here you are someone that has an audience or a, right. a clientele or a base of people or multiple people that um you know can learn from just you saying okay we'll put it in our in our materials that's perfect mm-hmm. but thank you, you <laughs> and
1: then we could say how you made me not drink from because exactly. you made me feel guilty. <laughs> an anecdote, yeah. But hey, that's hey, right. You Gilt didn't te- You didn't come to to me with a gun. You just was like, you know, it's kind of stupid in a nice way. So yeah,
2: it's just did. education, right? Well, and you were
1: so like is. bothered when you picked up that bottle. Yeah. I, I was like, that. I didn't know it had this much of an effect. <laughs> and we gave you plastic bottles. No, but so as great. hosts, it it's like out. you know what? We really yeah. blew it. And then
3: that's all right. But are you going to quit
1: plastic bottles now? I drink.
3: Oh, there oh. you go. I say, You All guys right.
0: get get them with liquid death or something. You yeah, get some yeah, cans. Yeah. There you go.
1: Yeah. Or uh, uh, that's the other one. Yeah. Anything well, else anyway. that we didn't cover that you think is important?
0: I think it's really just if you are a vessel owner anywhere in the world, if you're using your boat, if you're not using your boat, and you want to help us with citizen science, with education, or having a researcher on your boat, then reach out to us. We want as many people as we want this biggest network that we can get um, so that we have the ability to send people wherever they're needed to get this information, to educate the public, um, to make sure that you know individual boaters who wanna make an impact are making that impact that they're looking yeah. for.
2: Yeah, and there's something for everyone, no matter how big or small your boat is, or if you want to do a cleanup on land or do your own cleanup, anything like that, we have resources, we have the knowledge, and we have the connections to help people do all of that.
1: You know what I like too, when you were talking about science projects, The other thing that people, is they don't want their kids brainwashed. Oh, we don't want this. You know, there's always that fight for it. But that doesn't do anything by getting kids involved in this. This could be great. should get this out to the schools, anybody that's on the coastal side of things. And then maybe even take some of those yachts or boats and if you can get students out there
0: and that's uh, what we do, and Tony, do yeah. the yeah. Yeah. So that's what we do. Education so manager, yep. Tony, I off. actually go I have a, a few different things that I do. I go into <laughs> classrooms and do activities with mm-hmm. students. Um, but our our main aspect of educating people is with our discovery vessels through what we call floating classrooms. Um, so right now we do them in Miami and we also have a group that does them out of Singapore with our Asia chapter. Um, but we bring students, groups of students, um, K through 12 or even older, college students as well, adults if they really want to, um, bring them out on the water in Biscayne Bay is what we do. Um, We go through activities with them. We talk about water quality testing. We talk about pollution, fertilizer ordinances, things like that. Um, We go through the whole bay. We identify different things that are kind of making impacts on the bay. We stop off on one of the picnic islands in the bay, which are actually man-made islands that have no trash cans, um, but are actually created for the purpose of going and like eating your lunch and hanging out there all day. Um, So they're often inundated with trash. Um, We go there. We do a coastal cleanup. We talk about pollution, about minimizing your impact, um, and then we're able to kind of send them home you <laughs> Um, And the feedback is fantastic, especially when parents are able to join us, because sometimes kids are too young to really know what their impact is. Um, But especially when you're able to have parents or educators join the students on the trip, um, especially those younger students, you can really see that clicking when you're you're saying things to them. Oh, did you know that this makes such an impact? Did you know that this choice can can lead to this consequence? Um, It's really exciting to see and to know that people are walking away from experiences like that with a changed mindset of, oh, I'm not going to use plastic water bottles anymore because we picked up 100 plastic water bottles today and they'll probably pick up 100 plastic water bottles tomorrow things like that Um, so we do that and then we have junior ambassador programs for high school students so year-long programs where they where they're able to participate with us in hands-on activities with our scientists doing research Um, And then we have workshops for teachers. So teachers are actually able to join us and get hands-on training so that they can bring it back to their classroom. Um, So we're teaching them a whole bunch of information at once and they're kind of breaking it down so that they can go back to their class and for the rest of their career, they can kind of input these little tidbits about marine conservation, environmental conservation, um, mm-hmm. And why, regardless of where you are, whether you're on the Florida coast, whether you're in Oklahoma or anywhere else in the world, um, how your decisions are going to have an impact, regardless of, of if you think. So, so wouldn't it
1: be good if you just get some of the local politicians down there, take them out to that island where it's a mess, get a few film crews, and <laughs> and uh, and say, listen, what the hell's wrong with you I people? Love that. Like, what is wrong with you? Because the other thing, too, is you can call people out. It's fair to call people out Absolutely. on things. We've got these man-made islands. This is what we're doing for the citizens of uh, Miami. and then you're making a pigsty out of it. What What is wrong with you? Yeah.
0: We actually you know, I had, think that's um,
1: fair to say to people. Yeah,
0: yeah. We had the Miami Beach commissioner actually join us for one of our cleanups this past summer. So mm-hmm. sometimes they do come out and they see what we're doing in the community. Um, But again, it kind of comes where's their funding coming from? You know, what are their main main political motivations that really is impacting that as well? They
1: don't want to yell at their citizens. Yeah, but you know like they want to thank
0: us for cleaning up and then go back to their office. So
1: you you embarrass me with the water.
0: And I'm like, (laughs) you know what, all right, you got a point,
1: right? So if somebody said to a group of people, you're making a mess of this beach. It's embarrassing. What the hell's wrong with you? They might go, yeah, you know, it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. You can do that. Absolutely. You don't have to be it's not being mean; it's just yeah. being real, right? So, yeah. cool. Well, listen, uh, I think what you're doing is great. We're going to do what we can to support you. Get the word out. Awesome. We Thank we you. we really appreciate like it. it. Uh, you guys are very real, um, and uh, hopefully, that information uh, that you're that you're pulling out there and the education that you're doing uh, makes a bigger difference. And uh, we That's appreciate cool. you coming down over, over to Fort Myers today, taking yeah, a trip yeah. over. Thanks for having us. Um, Absolutely. Tony, what's the process of getting involved in your organization?
3: Yeah, so it's pretty simple. We've tried to make it as simple as possible with a um, a, a form that you fill out really quick and easy on our website. So if you go to seakeepers.org, um, and if you... Th- there's a number of places to get to it, but um, basically whenever you see a, a link or something that says uh, join our Discovery Yacht Fleet or, you know, be become part a Discovery of
0: the, Vessel. Yeah,
3: become a Discovery Vessel. <laughs> different ways of wording it in different spots where you'll find that button. But... You click on it and now you've got this form that you just say, you know, your name, your boat, um, different specs about your boat. Um, and once you press submit, we get that. We reach out to you and say, hey, thanks so much for, for filling out this form. Um, what are you interested in? What do you want to do to, to get involved? Or, or what what is your boat best suited for? Again, if you have a 150-foot live aboard, then great, maybe we'll get you out tagging some sharks or 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 whales or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. If you have a sailboat and you're sailing to French Polynesia, we'll give you a net or, or a data logger for uh, the Southern citizen science initiative we have going on. So there's a lot of different things you can do. But the first and step one is just fill out that form. We'll get it and then we'll start the conversation and we'll get you involved. So you've got a product for everybody,
1: basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's,
3: it's, a, it's an opportunity for everyone. It's a nice um, menu. Yeah, no, but it's, it's yeah, there's a lot of opportunities to get involved. And and, you know, no boat is too small um or whatever you know too big too small that all shapes and sizes awesome
1: thank you um once again for uh, another episode of boating insider and we hope you enjoyed it thank you
3: thank you